Hello, and welcome back to the Happy Baby Podcast. Today we are talking about preterm babies. First of all, Frank will discuss why he treats these babies and the reasons they are brought to see him. Later in this episode, we chat to Mary Colnan, a NICU nurse in Cork University Maternity Hospital, about her experience working with these little babies and how the work done in the NICU unit helps the whole family. Hello, this is Frank Kelleher and I want to talk to you today in this episode about the premature baby. So a premature birth is a birth that takes place more than three weeks before the baby's estimated due date. In other words, a premature birth is one that occurs before the start of the 37th week of pregnancy. Some signs of prematurity include the following. So small size, sharper looking features, so less rounded features than a full-term baby's features due to a lack of fat stores. They can have a low body temperature, especially immediately after birth in the delivery room due to a lack of stored body fat. They can have some laboured breathing issues or some respiratory issues and a lack of some of the reflexes for sucking and swallowing, leading to some feeding difficulties. So in the first few weeks, Premature babies need to go into the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, to be supported. In the first few weeks, some of the things that premature babies need some help with is breathing, because they may have some breathing problems, because their breathing system is a little bit immature. They can have some temperature control problems, which is very often why they're put into an incubator. They can have some feeding issues as well. So they may need to be supported with their feeding for a period of time. And the other key area that they're protected against in the neonatal is for infection, because obviously their immune system isn't fully developed. So they need some support from the staff within the neonatal for infection control as well. I see premature babies very often then, several months after they leave hospital. They'll come to the clinic for a checkup. Mum and dad will bring them along. Or they present with typical things that even full-term babies can present with. Some digestive problems, some congested issues. They can have poor sleeping patterns. And they're just generally unsettled. When they've been through the neonatal process or the NICU, they've had a lot of intervention and that's required and needed for them to develop and to bring them along. So it's important for me before I treat the baby to find out a full history of what their time was like in the NICU. So some of the things I'm interested in is what was their gestation, i.e. the weeks when they were delivered what was the child's birth weight? Was the delivery spontaneous or was it a C-section for that baby? Was there any medical treatment necessary, particularly to help the baby with the things I've discussed earlier? Breathing, feeding, infection control, temperature regulation, those things. And were there any complications? In other words, did they have to have specific antibiotic treatment for infections? Because for me, that can affect their gut flora a little bit. So this information is very important for me to assess the baby and also to work out as well the baby's actual date of birth from the planned date of birth as this informs me about their current developmental processes. What are the key things I would see babies for? To be honest, there are things that you would very often see 
full-term babies for as well. So digestion issues. So wind, in other words, have they got problems burping? So that's upper digestion. Or have they got problems passing wind down in their lower digestive system? In other words, do they have some reflux going on? Are they regurgitating their feeds? Those sorts of key things that I would treat them for. Do they have some slow bowel function? In other words, they're producing soft stools, but it's taking several days for them to have a bowel motion and they're putting a lot of effort into it because that might indicate that their lower digestive tract is under some pressure. As well as that, they may have slow feeding patterns. In other words, they've had to be helped while they were in the neo to establish feeding and to start to suck and breathe and swallow. And they may still be sucking quite slowly. And as a result of that, it's very important to assess their head control and the movement of the musculature in their neck to help them to suck and breathe and swallow a bit more easily as well. Another key thing that I would see them for would be congestion. So They can be quite blocked up in their nasal passageways. Remember, everything was very small at the start and is growing week after week. So their nasal passageways are linked to their middle ear and their eustachian tubes that should drain the fluid. And sometimes that can be holding congestion in those passageways. And again, you can treat that very gently and create that floor, that movement for them. Sleep. Remember that when they were in the NICU, they would have been building their sleep patterns. So those babies are obviously quite small and will sleep quite a lot of their time when they're in the NEO. They will be in incubators where their temperature will be regulated and even the light will be kept at low levels for them to try and create that almost womb-like environment for them. And for me, their sleep may still be finding its pattern when I see them. So they may be quite wakeful or they may just be sleeping for short patterns. Again, they may need to be held to go off to sleep because they need that cocooning, if you like, or that feeling of safety and security from their parents. So they may need to be upright for that. That creates that attachment to parents. But when you put them down into their crib, they may wake up very quickly. Or they may be unable at the start to lie flat on their back, which is the safest position for them. And again, that can create tension in their musculoskeletal system, in their neck and shoulders, even through their ribcage and indeed their pelvis. And these are key areas that we want to release any tension in and restore their body's position back to the midline, which I've spoken to you about in previous podcasts which I think is very important. They may wake up to sounds or different changes in noise because, again, their nervous system is developing and sudden loud noises might startle them a little bit more. And what I find with some of these babies that I see who are premature is that their reflexes may be quite heightened. And that's a protection mechanism that their brains are using these reflexes at a higher level until they mature and get a little bit older. In other words, if they're unsettled, they may startle very easily. They may cry quite vigorously, very suddenly for no reason. They may require attachment. What I mean by that is that the parents may have to hold them for long periods just so that they can feel safe and secure. And they can get overwhelmed with situations. In other words, if there's too much noise in their environment 
or if there's too much contact for them, they can get a little bit overwhelmed and get stressed from that. And again, it's important that when we treat their body musculoskeletally, what we're also hoping to do for them is to just relax their nervous system a little bit so that they find the world an easier place to be in and that they're not getting overwhelmed by it. One of the other things that I would see them for as well is their head shape and examine their neck and shoulder area, examine the position when they're lying on their back, that their head shape is correct. Because NICU babies, they need to be turned quite regularly because they can't turn their heads themselves at the beginning and that they're very often lying on both sides, on their left and on the right side. And that can lead to flatness on one side of their head. So again, it's important that we examine the neck musculature associated with that and give them lots of very simple tips of how to reposition them and to support their heads. They obviously will have been assessed by the physiotherapist in the NICU as well, and they will have advised mum and dad around things like tummy time and things that they can do. So it's important that I get that information from the parents as well, so that when I'm treating the baby musculoskeletally, we're doing the same things or making the same recommendations. What I'd have to say to you about premature babies is that the treatment I provide is very, very gentle. It works in their musculoskeletal system and it releases tension in the tissues. I've spoken about this in previous podcasts where what we're trying to do is to create symmetry of movement in their body, to allow them to breathe nice and deeply, to allow their neck posture and their head posture to be in neutral so that they can create really good movement in their their bodies to make sure that their pelvis position is in neutral as well. The basic things that are very important for them. What it does when they have the treatment is it establishes good breathing patterns for them so that their ribcage can expand and contract on each breath in and each breath out and that the symmetry of their movement enhances their development musculoskeletally which has a good benefit for things like your digestive system, your sleeping pattern, clearing mucus through your nasal passageways and through your middle ear and also just taking that stress out of their body so that they physically feel comfortable. All of these behaviours are normal in premature babies and you have to make allowances for the fact that they came into the world early and even a full-term baby is very reliant on their parents to meet their needs at the beginning. And the same is for a premature baby. They will develop, they will take their time. I find that when I speak to parents that The parents often say to me they're very resilient, that they're trying to drive their nervous system forward and trying to move forward as best they can. And in the majority of cases, they get there. They just need a little bit more time and support. So I actually love seeing these babies come into my clinic because I think in some way I can support their development by making sure that their musculoskeletal system is working properly and that their nervous system is responding when their musculoskeletal system is healthy. So following on from that, I am delighted to welcome Mary Collan to chat about her experience of premature babies. Mary is a midwife, a lactation consultant, and is a neonatal nurse at Cork University Maternity Hospital. Welcome along, Mary, and why don't you start by first of all telling us a little bit about yourself and what a normal day at work looks like for you. 
Okay, thank you, Frank. Yeah, I work in the neonatal unit in CUMH um, since it opened 14 years ago. Before that, I worked in St. Finbar's Special Care Baby Unit. I qualified as a midwife back over 25 years ago, and I suppose most of that time has been spent in the neonatal setting. Um, I'm also part of the developmental care team in CUMH. And there's six of us on the team, and we studied uh, NIDCAP, which is an internationally recognised organisation in the developmental care world for babies. As Frank said, I'm also a lactation consultant because I'm passionate about breastfeeding. Um, a typical day for me, so we start shift at half seven in the morning, and we go on to the unit, and we're allocated an area to work in for the day. So if I'm in, in intensive care, I'm usually allocated one baby or maybe two babies. So I take handover from night staff. And usually it would be great if you're looking after a baby that you've looked after before, because that means that you know that baby, you know what he likes and dislikes. And you've also formed a bond with, with the parents, which is really, really important. So I take handover. Um, I check all my equipment that everything is connected properly and working, all the alarms, all the machines, all the monitors. Um, I also have make sure that my little baby is comfortable. And then I plan my day around the baby's feeding schedules, around his um, infusions, drugs, um, whatever else he needs. Um, and hopefully mom will be in later on and I'll involve mom and dad in baby's care because that's really important. Um, with nappy changes and mouth care. So yeah, so the day rolls on fairly lively and uh, there's medical rounds, um, there's orders, there's things to be changed, maybe blood products to be given, lots of different things. In the intensive care unit, you're always waiting or always ready for a new admission. So you always have to make sure that there's a space ready for that admission. So so we work as a team on in the unit. Um, so we help each other out. And as I said, the day absolutely flies by. That's great information, Mary. Thanks a million for that. And what exactly would you say is a preterm baby, Mary? Preterm baby is a little baby that arrives um, before 37 weeks gestation. And um, then there are subcategories to this. Then you can have an extremely preterm baby is less than 28 weeks. Um, an early preterm is born between 28 and 32 weeks. And um, a late preterm baby then is between 32 and 37 weeks. And I suppose there are about four and a half thousand preterm births a year in Ireland. And that equates to about 10 percent of all births, which really is a lot when you think about it. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And why does labour happen so early in some pregnancies, Mary? Why is that the case? Well, sometimes there's no reason at all found. It just happens. And then there are other reasons. Um, Say, for instance, I suppose the most common one is mom could be carrying twins or triplets. Mom could be part of, uh, she could have had IVF. Um, She could have blood pressure problems. This often um, causes a preterm birth. She might have diabetes. Um, She might be under a lot of stress. Um, infections as well can lead on to a preterm birth, especially kidney infections. Um, there could be problems with mums with the cervix or with the uterus, or there could also be problems with the way the baby the baby is growing in utero. And I suppose um, a way to try and avoid preterm births is for a mom to have a good, healthy pregnancy to really look after herself, good nutrition, early antenatal care, say, give up smoking, taking alcohol, things like that. Um, anything at all to to, to prevent um, a preterm birth. Oh, that's very good information as well. Yeah. And like the advice for mums as well. That's important, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. it is. Yeah. And 
bit, a bit, sort of moving on from that a little bit, can a preterm labour be stopped or delayed? Um, sometimes it can and sometimes it can't. Um, if a mum thinks she's in, in, in early labour, the first thing she should do is contact the hospital. Okay. Um, because there are drugs um, that can be given to delay um, or to stop the labour. Um, so if mom is less than 34 weeks pregnant, the mom can have steroids, which is a fantastic drug because it helps the baby's lungs to mature. And this can make an absolute huge difference if the labor continues. Bed rest is another treatment for a mom who's in, in premature labor. Uh, so yes, yeah, so sometimes it can be stopped and sometimes it can't. So when a baby is born prematurely, what are the main priorities in the neonatal unit when the baby comes into you? I suppose looking at the bigger picture, the main priorities really are to get that baby the best, you know, the best chance of survival and the best quality of life. That really is the main priority. Like neonatal care isn't about surviving anymore. Um, It's just to make sure that that baby reaches his full potential. So from the moment the baby comes into the unit, there's a multidisciplinary team involved in the baby's care right from the very start to when he leaves the unit. Um, So when a baby comes in, he's stabilised as quickly as possible. And there's loads of support available. Um, Just say he's breathing. There's lots of machines and lots of different things. So as I said, there's a big team involved to, to give that baby the best chance of survival. When you're talking about the team, who mm-hmm. are they? So there's the medical team, the consultants, all the different registrars, SHOs. There's the nurses. Um, there's the dietitians, physiotherapists, the speech and language therapists, occupational therapists, pharmacists. It's it's fantastic. There Gosh, is a, it's a big a team, huge, isn't it? There is, yeah. yeah. And then there's there's others. There's um, radiographers. There's lots of people involved. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Brilliant that there's such a, a diversity of the multidisciplinary team all coming together for the best exactly. needs of the baby, really. And just a question specific to feeding and, and babies in, in the NEO. Um, how is a premature baby fed, Mary, and does that progress as time goes on? Yeah, I suppose initially the baby receives all his nutrients via like a line in his vein. That's what happens initially. And then there's a little tube passed down into the baby's tummy and the baby is given milk. Um, and preferably this should be, ideally this should be breast milk. because Yeah, the I was most, going to ask about the best option. Yeah, yeah. That is the optimum um, feeding choice for, for any baby really, but I suppose especially a preterm baby, because as you can imagine, that milk is designed specifically for that baby by oh, his yes. mum. So, and it's really, really easy for that baby. I could talk about breastfeeding all night. I don't, yes. Um, like that baby's, that mom produces milk specifically for that baby at that gestational age as well. And it's easy for the baby to absorb. There's never, ever going to be a formula that's going to match breast milk. Mom will come in and she'll have had no intentions whatsoever of breast breastfeeding right. or whatever, but even expressing. And I suppose 99.9% of the time, when you explain to them about breastfeeding and how important it is and expressing, they all just do it. And it's, I suppose they do feel helpless in the unit because of the environment that it's in. But when a mom starts expressing, um, it makes her feel like she's Mm. doing something for her baby. Absolutely. It's fantastic. And then they get, sometimes when you start expressing milk, you're only producing little drops. Um, But as time goes on, then that increases. And we're there again, there's a lactation consult, two lactation consultants on the unit, yes. and they can help and and support mom in that. So it's it's absolutely fantastic, um, and we're delighted to to think that you know most of our moms will go on and and express the milk for their baby. 
Um, and having said all that, then sometimes moms just cannot produce milk for their babies. And um, not to worry, because we have um, a constant supply of donor breast milk on the unit. So, oh, you know, you good. don't, want, you don't yeah. want moms to feel, oh, my God, I can't produce any milk. But yeah, yeah that, that's there as well as a, as a fallback, which is brilliant. So, no, breast milk is brilliant because it prevents gut infections. It um, contains loads of antibodies. It has loads of special proteins and fats that help with brain development. Say, for instance, it's got hormones, growth factors. The list is endless. The tiniest little drop of breast milk is just absolutely precious and just so full of goodness. It's it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing product. It's been brilliant. Sometimes when you see the premature babies in incubators, it often looks like they're a little in a little nest, don't they? And how does that help them? Exactly, Frank. That's right. And um, these little nests, if you just think about a little baby in utero, it's all tucked up nice and cozy and it's got the boundaries of the uterus to, to lean against and to rest against. Uh, yeah, and that's what yeah. we try to imitate in the unit as best we can. So these little boundaries or nests just help the baby to feel more secure and support it so the baby can lie comfortably and as well as that we try to get the little baby to lie or help the baby to lie on its side so that it can bring its hands to its mouth because it's a natural thing for babies to do to to uh, self-soother to make themselves feel more secure as well as that you might notice that there's um, heavy colorful blankets on the incubators and these are specifically for the babies less than 32 weeks because we try to reduce the amount of light because again when the baby's in utero there's no light at all or very, very little. And there's also very, very little sound or any sound at all is muffled. So these blankets are fantastic. They uh, protect the baby from lots of light and they reduce the um, the sound as well. You know, We just try to do as much as yeah, we can to, to yeah. imitate what it's like to be in utero. It's, it's like it's a massive, it's far, far removed from being in utero, but we try to do the best we can to the baby feel comfortable and to reduce the sensory stimulation of the baby and promote sleep. Because if you think of a baby in utero, he spins practically all the time asleep and growing. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you try and create it as close as you can within exactly. the boundaries of what you've got available. Yeah, exactly. And we've all heard about the skin to skin care or the kangaroo care, as it's it's also known. Why is this so important for a premature baby? Yeah, skin to skin is 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 fantastic. Lots of research will will promote that. It's literally baby lying on mum's chest. Baby just has nothing on, just a little nappy. It's the next best thing really to being in utero, I suppose. And both mom and dad can do this. For mom, it helps her to it actually helps her to produce milk and it also um improves her chances of breastfeeding later on. And it's a fantastic way of promoting bonding. And it's amazing really. The mom's body temperature will keep the baby warm and it'll adjust to keep the baby warm. The thing about skin to skin is baby needs to be out for at least an hour because it's stressful getting a baby out of the incubator and putting the baby back in. So you want the baby to come out and rest and fall into a deep sleep lying on his mother's chest. The other thing is to encourage mom if when baby comes out and baby's settling is to talk quite because the most important sound that that baby needs to hear is his own mother's voice. So, yeah, that's that's skin to skin. It's brilliant. It's it's it really, really helps in the bonding for baby and mom. And what about the parents then, Mary? You know, it must be such a shock for them, really, when they have a baby who has to go into the neonatal unit. How do you help and advise them 
how do you keep them involved? Yeah, we're well aware of how stressful our unit or any unit is. Um, like it's not what the, any parents expects when their little baby is born. First of all, they didn't expect to have their baby so early. And then of course, coming, not, yeah. coming into a neonatal unit is, is very stressful. They see all the monitors and all the noise and all the bits and pieces. And in the midst of all that stuff, is there is there a tiny new little baby? Um, so, yeah, so we're well aware of the stress and we there's always when when a baby is admitted into the unit coming from the labor ward after a premature birth, there's always someone watching out for the parent who accompanies that baby to the unit. And we're watching out for them and we're supporting them and we try to explain what's happening as 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 they go along. Um, and we try to get the parents involved in their baby's care as early as possible, because this really helps with bonding and helps them to see their little baby beyond all the machines and all the equipment. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're, we're well aware of how stressful the unit is when, when a new baby is admitted. And sort of carrying on from that, what sort of advice for a new mum or dad whose baby is in the NICU? What sort of the advice I- you give them? Yeah, I suppose the the best advice really is to just really take it one day at a time. Um, okay. Like it's it's such it's it's it is re- it can be really really stressful. There's loads of technical stuff in there, um, and as I said already, just for mom and dad to see their little baby, can, it's it's just a very anxious, very traumatic, and it can be very exhausting time as well. Um, and we're there to support them all the way. As I said, with the multi- multidisciplinary care team, there's um, there's always someone to talk to. There's always someone to explain what's going on. So there's no need to, no no need to be afraid. Um, we look after the mom as well, and dad as well as looking after the baby because we'd like to think that we're a family centered unit. Very good. And that's what that's what it's all about at the end of the day: supporting the family as well as the baby. Mary. That was very informative and I'm sure you will have put so many parents who have a little one in NICU at the moment at ease. We always hear great things about the staff and CUMH NICU from parents who come to see us with their baby. So a big thank you to you Mary and indeed all the staff at CUMH for the wonderful work they do with these little premature babies. Mm-hmm.